Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, coaching example, interrupting, part two. Here we go. Folks, next week we launch our Effective Relationship Series of casts. Uh, There are over 32 casts in the entire product. You don't have to buy the whole product. You can buy a portion of it. But if you're a D and you're working for an S boss or you're a C working for a D boss or a D boss with with a C working for you or an I working for you, you don't know how to figure them out, We've got a three-hour or two-hour long cast just for you that'll explain exactly how to do that. Check out Effective Relationships next week. So last week, we got into uh, our coaching example for somebody who interrupts, starting with feedback. And the next step is collaborating on a goal. Yeah, and I I think I went too long, didn't I? (laughs) Uh, And I could spend five more minutes talking about feedback, folks. You don't have to coach somebody if you think feedback alone. Assigning them the work, watching them do the work, or hearing about their work, or having them report on the work is enough, and then you can just give them lots of feedback, because that's the adult learning model. That said, if feedback doesn't work, maybe, maybe it's only been a week or two, maybe, maybe it's even been a month, but you know, it's been our experience that most managers are so reticent to coach because they mistakenly believe they have to be the, the trainer, the teacher, um, rather than just the supervisor of a self-improvement project, that several months or even years have gone by with this direct needing some additional growth in a particular skill. Right. And so another a few more weeks is not going to hurt you. Well, the thing that bothers them about that, about them being the trainer, is the amount of time they're going to have to yeah. invest in the coaching. Well, I, I, I would say it's that and something else. I would say for many of them, they don't feel confident about their skills to be a trainer. And, and frankly, I don't blame them. Neither do I. Um, you know, if I had to train, if I had to be the, the deliverer of new knowledge, if I were the resource every single time, one of my directs had to get better at something, then I'd spend all my time doing training. That's why corporate training departments exist. Whether or not your department has um, the, right, the right training for you is, is, is a separate thing. But yeah, I think the, you're right. The combination of time and the lack of skill would be a problem. Now, folks, we, there is a cast for that called uh, Coaching If You're the Trainer, and we recommend a four-step model. We encourage you to listen to that if, in fact, you have to do it. But for the vast majority of coaching, you don't have to do that. Uh, after you've given feedback, what you do is sit down, and the first step of the manager tools coaching model is collaborate on a goal. And so in this case, with our, our guy, Derek, we're going to tell him we're concerned uh, in this case, we're talking about his interruptions, which we believe are a problem, which we believe are going to uh, prohibit him from growing because it's it's one of the annoying or irritating things he does. Again, remember, Derek is a is a good performer. He just doesn't get along real well interpersonally. So we're going to give him some feedback like we talked about last week, and it may or may not work. If it works, great. But if it doesn't, then we have to go, we're going to coach him on it, or coaching is one of the solutions. Uh, And so we're going to tell him about our concern. So let's assume we didn't talk to him about our concern before other than through the feedback we gave. In other words, we just started noticing or we just started giving him feedback on the interruptions. Um, And so we've never, we we never told him the feedback we were giving you before was part of a systemic approach that we were taking. It doesn't matter. You can do it either way. Here's how it might sound if we didn't talk to him before. You could say, hey, Derek, I'm concerned you haven't reduced your interruptions. Um, I've given you several instances of feedback about it, and I haven't seen much, if any, if any change. My sense is your interrupting is a behavior we can and should reduce, and doing so, reducing your interruptions, will make some difference in improving your relationships with the team. 
I don't think there's any question that interruptions hurt others' perceptions of you, and they hurt their perception of your respect for them. They assume that when you interrupt, as often as you do, you don't respect them very much. People generally don't respect people who are more, or I'm sorry, people who generally show or show respect for people who are more senior than them or whom they admire by not interrupting. You don't interrupt me as much as you do everyone else in meeting. So we tell Derek, I want to start coaching you on this behavior. Now, folks, if you say that, we're going to assume that you've already briefed them, briefed your team on the coaching tool. And we'll allude to a lot of the basics of the coaching tool, but you can learn about it in the Manager Tools Basics cast and also in the Rolling Out Trinity cast. And we always tell you, never introduce a managerial change without first introducing that managerial change. In other words, don't just start doing something. Tell people what you're doing. If you don't tell your directs what you're doing when you change your managerial behavior, it's not as if you're changing your management style. I hate that phrase, management style. The only style we ought to have is achieving results and retaining people. But every, everyone has their own personality. In other words, we don't like at manager tools. So it's not a matter of style. It's a matter of what we do. In the same way that we change systems and processes um, and we sell to customers differently and we do expense reports differently and we meet periodically differently and we use different strategic watchwords and so on, we can all change our managerial behavior based on what we know and what we believe will be effective. So we will have briefed everyone on the coaching tool in general. Therefore, you'll be able to say, hey, look, I'm going to coach you. And Derek will know roughly what you're doing. Yeah, we'll assume for now that he's going to agree to this. And we, we talk about it in the coaching tool cast, we talk about, you know, persuasion and all that kind of stuff. But for now, let's assume that he's, he's agreeing, right? Right. As opposed right. to having it forced down his throat. Yeah, I mean, look, well, I, we, we don't force things down too many people's <laughs> throats here at Manager Tools. Well, that's um, my point. Yeah, and certainly if Derek was in danger, if, if his behavior was so significant that we worried in six or nine months he could lose his job, we might very well call this late-stage coaching, where we would make clear that there are consequences for his failure to change. In this case, I don't think we've said that, Generally, we wouldn't want it to be inferred if we didn't say it and we didn't mean to imply it. This is just one area where one of our directs could get better. We don't threaten. We don't scare. We simply say, hey, I want to help you get better at that. Rather than saying, this is unacceptable, you say, I want it to be better. A lot of people are surprised when they come to our conferences, Mike, you've seen this, that the first word in every explication of the Manager Tools Basics tools, the Trinity, is the word encourage, right? We believe management is about encouragement, that you, we recommend you encourage your directs to be better. And yes, there are consequences for those who don't meet standards, but too many managers believe that their primary vehicle for getting better results is threatened, is to, to use sanctions. And we do, simply don't believe that. We believe everyone in some way, wants to get better, wants to do more, wants to be part of a team, and we're going to lead and motivate positively. Okay, so what we'd say to Derek is, I want to start coaching you. And the first step in the Manager Tools coaching tool is to agree collaboratively with Derek on the goal that Derek is going to achieve. 
we want to agree on the outcome that we want out of this situation. And in this case, basically, we want Derek to stop interrupting people. Now, it's been our experience that it's best if you're going to spend four to six to eight months coaching somebody that when, when you set goals, we generally try to turn the goal into an event that's measured in some way rather than a, a, a long-term measurement that has to achieve a certain average, okay? If we want Derek to stop interrupting others, we don't want to say, for the next six months, you can't have more than X interruptions. Uh, because what that will do, frankly, is create a situation where every single time he interrupts, he feels like he's getting further away from his goal. Uh, and so what we're going to do is set a time in the future where we're going to measure whether or not he's changed his behavior. The whole point of coaching is to change behavior. We might measure every week. We might give feedback every week. But we're not going to say, here's the plan, and you need to be at 80% now and 20% later and 10% at the end because it's just too hard to measure. We simply create an event at the end of his coaching, however long we decide it's going to be, that we're going to measure to determine whether or not he has, in fact, internalized and gotten better at this, this new behavior. So we use a goal structure here at Manager Tools called DBQ, Deadline, Behavior, and Quality. Look, we, we start with the deadline. I've always felt like I need to do more casts on the value of time as a competitive advantage. It's huge. I, I think yeah. that DBQ and the deadline being in the front is significant because that's the deadline is the thing people don't want to talk about. Yeah, it is. We start because we want to be clear that we're not, when we're coaching somebody, we're not on a friendly stroll through the library browsing books about personal, personal health. We're going to the gym to lose weight and get strong, okay? Um, there are plenty of people who go, oh, coaching, okay, we're gonna, you know, he'll go to some classes or let's talk about the steps we're gonna do. Let, let's just come up with some ideas and we'll start working on them. No, um, what we know about human behavior in organizations is that goals matter, deadlines matter, clarity about whether or not we've done something matters. If you think it's just, well, I'm gonna coach you and we'll gradually get better, at some point, your director can say, I think I've gotten far enough. And one of the worst things that can happen in coaching is for your director to say, I think I'm done. And for you to say, I don't think you are. Because at that point, what they're telling you is, I'm tired of trying to change. They'll probably have overestimated the amount of change they've done. I'm not saying this happens every time, but it happens 80 to 90% of the time, which is a bad track record. And you end up not getting what you want and having an irritated direct. I mean, look, why bother doing anything at all? Let's, let's leave them unirritated and we'll still have not gotten what we wanted if we didn't try to coach them under those situations. An irritated that's, poor performer, that's a good combination. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Look, we have a podcast called how to, how to Deal with the Arrogant Top Performer, right? But not the Irritated Weak Performer. <laughs> um, yeah. And look, coaching is more powerful than feedback. So we don't usually set deadlines of less than four months away. If somebody can change their behavior in less than four months, they probably just need lots of feedback and we don't need an entire coaching tool plan, okay? And so the deadline is going to be at some point in the future, okay? And by the way, we'll go through Derek's here in just a minute. Okay, the behavior portion, the B of the DBQ, is what we want them to master, the behavior we're wanting to improve. It could be getting to meetings on time, it could be uh, interrupting in this case, it could be 
presenting in a certain way. It could be running a project or facilitating a meeting or what have you. And then the quality portion, the Q of DBQ, is how we're going to measure the behavior. One of the mistakes I made early on when I was working with DBQ and SMART goals, which we think are dumb, by the way, and MT goals, was we can't just say we're going to have somebody run a meeting. If, let's say let's say we're coaching Derek on running a meeting, which, by the way, I think I've said this before in this cast, but there are three um, three things that Manager Tools recommends every manager make sure that every one of your directs do, and if they can't do it, you, we recommend you coach them on it, and that is run a meeting, manage a project, and give a presentation. If you're just going to say have someone run a meeting, okay, Derek, I'm going to coach you on how to run a meeting, and in six months you're going to be able to run a meeting. Under that criteria they could run a meeting that was absolutely disastrous. In fact, if they stand up in front of the room and kick the meeting off, but the meeting is a total disaster, they ran the meeting. If they think they're running the meeting, they probably are. Uh, there's an old saying, I, I, I want to say it's Yasha Heifetz, but, but I think that's wrong. Um, somebody once said about, about uh, coaching someone on the cello, um, they said, oh, I'm practicing. And he says, you're not practicing, you're playing. If you put the bow to the strings, you're playing. That's not practice. You may not be any good. You're playing, right? There's no practice. There's only playing. So um, we want them to actually do the thing, um, but we also want to do it well, because if you're practicing, that doesn't mean, if you think you're practicing and then a famous cellist says, no, you're playing, then just because you're playing doesn't mean you can play for the Philharmonic. So we have to define what the measure of success is for the behavior we're expecting to change over time. What does that mean for Derek? Okay, for a deadline, four months from now is roughly one January, okay? Well, look, we're not gonna have a, a deadline during the holiday season. And so if, you, if there's any reason to not have the deadline when four months from now is, we just move it back. We always move it back. We always give them more time. For, for several reasons. Uh, and frankly, I, I said four months, but if in your gut you think it will take eight months to help someone, then give them eight months. It's fine. You don't need to worry about, about whether or not it's fast enough. Because again, if somebody's 30, 35 years old and they have a problem, they've probably had that problem before. Um, we often say that if we delegated something to them, if we start delegating because we're a smart, effective manager and smart, effective managers delegate, and you delegate something that requires them to be coached on, okay, fine, it'll take four or five months. Uh, don't try to do it in two and end up creating a situation where they fail and then say, we'll need two more months because then they've felt failure along the way. And what we want is to get them better. We don't want to punish them for not being good enough. Uh, I can't tell you that the, the American, many people write me and say, I just got a note in LinkedIn from somebody who said, well, you know, you're biased, um, you're stereotypical American. I thought, wow, I, you know, it's funny we can get away with saying that. I thought, hmm, I wonder if the person who's writing is a stereotypical woman uh, or a stereotypical 25-year-old or a stereotypical old man. We would never say that, right? right? Somehow it's okay to say that person's a stereotypical French guy. And I would be willing to bet that if we put 100 people in a room and we said, what's a stereotypical French guy? We get 100 different answers. And folks, for the record, if you, if you think there is a stereotypical American, rest assured there's not. Demographics proves it. And you should listen to our cast called The Windy Curve, which explains that. The stereotypical American, according to this guy, basically says, if I set a goal and I'm only 90% of the way there, then the typical modern 
make it happen sort of manager, which has a tinge of being American, would say, you missed it by 10%. You failed. You got to do better. You got to get the last 10%. And that fails to recognize that the person is 90% of the way there. That glass is not half empty. It's only 10% empty. And yeah, the goal was to get the glass full. And we're not saying that you can't encourage people to go the last 10%, but you could also be happy that they're 90% of the way there. Because when it comes to coaching, the 90% improvement they do is going to be with them forever. And they're probably never going to go back to the 0% improvement they had four to six months ago when you started. Rather than decrying the 10% they don't have, remember that they're better at the skill than they used to be, and that will produce better results. And you probably haven't spent a whole lot of money and maybe only five minutes a week for three or four months on this particular problem. Coaching is different. Coaching somebody on a skill or on a behavior is different than meeting an operational goal that is part of your department's deliverables to the organization. Because in that case, 90% may not be enough. And it may be an either-or situation. It may be a digital situation, which is 90% is essentially zero, and you have to get all the way to 100% to flip the switch. It's not true in human behavior, and it's definitely not true in coaching. So if somebody got 90% of the way there in two months, then you'd have to tell them, oh, you failed. Well, in in our mind, we say, if you think it'll take four months, give them six or seven or even eight, simply because... That way, since you're probably guessing at how long it's going to take anyway, that's for years I've been using this model and I've still been guessing, probably with executives coaching them on certain behaviors, interpersonal behaviors, I, I, can, I can guess pretty accurately. But for the vast majority of us, we can't. And so, so if you say four months, but you think it might take six, don't say six. In other words, don't say four months, say six. Um, so in this case, four months is one December, one January. That's a dumb time to set a goal because you might need more than four months, but it's the holiday season, right? He's not going to get anything done in the last probably two weeks before the end of the calendar year. So we're going to overestimate, and it's better for Derek to finish early than to have him be stressed out about a deadline that can be slipped if, if we have to. So our deadline is going to be one March. So we start then, the first part of the DBQ is by one March. That's the first thing we say. And we want to be clear, the first word is by and then a date. We want Derek to understand that there's a date looming and we're going to encourage him to meet it. Yeah. Like I said earlier, in my experience, that's terribly important because then, then everything you talk about from this point forward is in the context of that date, right? If you yes. don't know the d- date, the discussion changes sometimes quite dramatically. Yeah. If you change the behavior and the quality and then say at the end, and we'll do this by this date, the date sounds like an aftermath, right? An afterthought, uh, um, something that might happen, but we're going to be working on this other stuff. It puts the process in front of the outcome. And the outcome is what's important. Okay. So we've covered the date. So now, now we got to talk about the behavior. Right. So again, folks, we're doing this collaboratively. We're sitting in a one-on-one and it wouldn't take any longer. I just explicated it, but it wouldn't take any longer than say, Hey, look, It's been my experience that coaching takes four to six months. Why don't we set a goal of one March and we'll see how it goes. And I I bet you're direct. If you give them six months, we'll say, oh, it's only going to take me a few weeks. Well, then great. We'll finish early and that'll be awesome. Big win. Wow. Yeah, major. We'll have cake. Cake is a good thing. Okay. So what behavior are we going to work on, right? And how are we going to measure it, right? That's the behavior and the quality step. And that's easy. The answer is interruptions or the absence of interruptions. But we want an event, a measurable short time span, where we're basically going to sample Derek's behavior and measure it against a standard. Okay. 
Now, you, you could quibble with us about this, but we like singular events. So we're going to try this. By 1 March, Derek, you will go through an entirely entire weekly operations meeting without a single interruption. Okay? Now, I, I got to tell you, I coached several executives on interrupting. Marshall Goldsmith, our friend, would say it's adding too much value uh, with uh, assertion, with aggression. So it occurs to us that one way Derek could reduce his interrupting is to simply not talk. Well, that doesn't sound like a good solution. No, yeah, because he's going to have to talk to get work done. And if during the sample period he just doesn't talk, that won't really be an indication of him having gotten a handle on his interrupting habit. So we'll have to measure both him not talking over somebody and how much he talks to. So we end up with this. By 1 March, you'll go through an entirely entire weekly operations meeting without a single interruption while contributing at least five times. Now, there wouldn't be anything wrong with determining, and, and by the way, to be clear, when, we, when I said interrupting, interrupting is a behavior. And there are five behaviors, the words you say, how you say them, facial expressions, your body language, and lastly, your work product. And number two, how you say those words is where interrupting falls. I can put interrupting on a videotape and you could see it. You wouldn't have to explain it to someone. Um, you wouldn't say, I'm going to help you be less of a jerk, right? People may feel Derek's a jerk when he interrupts, but jerk won't be on the videotape. Him talking before somebody else has finished their sentence or their comment, that's interrupting. Everyone knows what it is. It is an actual behavior as opposed to a characterization. People who interrupt are jerks, but you don't see jerk on the video, you see the interruption. So there wouldn't be anything wrong in this situation with determining in the first month of our work with, with Derek that he averages seven to eight to nine interactions in an operations meeting and then changing that quality measure to say, you'll go through an entire weekly operations meeting without a single interruption while contributing seven times or eight times. There's nothing wrong with that at all. I would do so. I would just double check uh, if, if his standard is more than five. But we could just pick one out of the blue based on what our gut tells us and then we can change things because we have four to five months to pay attention to his behavior and potentially refine the goal by five or 10%. And okay, we've been collaborating. Now, to some degree, this is heavy on us giving guidance, but it's still Derek's in the room. And so we finish up and say, look, I want to help you. Interrupting is a problem. You and I agree. How does it sound? Do you, do you feel we can get there by the 1 March deadline? Do you think it's reasonable? Do you think it's achievable? And I've never had anyone ever say no. And I've used the coaching model, what, 250, 300 times, something like that? Yeah. Yeah. No, they don't say no. Because again, we're, we're pretty generous with the deadline. And we're very clear about exactly what we want them to do. Now, now, there's something else here, guys. There are people who would say, well, Mark, he might still be a jerk if he stops interrupting. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I remember very clearly when I was reading our friend Marshall's book, and the book is titled What Gets You Here Won't Get You There. And it, it talks about the jerk executive who he's coaching. And when the jerk executive discovers he might lose or she might lose her job because... She's a jerk, loud and brash and arrogant and disrespectful of people and so on. He says, 
well, I'm going to start greeting everybody. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to apologize to all these people. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. He tackles the problem of his behavior in a very aggressive and a bold and, and almost wonderful or uh, um, magnificent way. I'm going to solve this problem. I'm going to beat it to death. And they do that for two days and then they go back to being themselves. And Marshall says, well, why don't we just start by not doing one thing or then not doing another thing? The way you eat an elephant, folks, is one bite at a time. Rather than saying somebody's a jerk and I have to stop them being a jerk or arrogant or whatever label you put, we focus on behaviors. Maybe there are five and we solve one behavior and then we solve another behavior and then we solve another behavior. You do it one at a time. That's how you do it. And it may take a while, but again, if your direct is 30 years old, they've been doing this thing for several years, perhaps as many as 10, if not as many as 15, and taking a little longer won't hurt. And it may be that people don't notice that he's not interrupting as much because there are three or four other things he does, but in a year or two, you'll have solved the problem and he'll want to keep working for you and he'll be more effective for the organization. Cool. Okay. So let's go on to the, the next step in the coaching tool, brainstorming resources. Yeah. So now we're going to collaborate on possible ways that Derek can learn how to interrupt less. Okay. And, and again, just learn. Okay. We're going to figure out all the possible ways somebody can learn about, know about, practice anything at all about interrupting so that we can figure out how to get them to do it less. And the best way to do this is to brainstorm. Yep, brainstorm ideas, and and you, the, the manager, as the trainer, would be the last <laughs> in that yeah. long list of things. That would be yeah. the last thing. Yeah, again, resources like sending them to a training class, and then somebody says, "Well, why wouldn't I train them?" Because again, you're the you're the resource of last resort. Again, we have a cast for how to train, um, but we don't recommend you do that. And there is a cast for how to brainstorm as well. And so you can put yourself on the list, but you shouldn't use yourself because if you were the trainer for everybody, it's going to take your, it's going to take too much of your time. So I went ahead when I was writing this cast and came up with on my own in a one minute brainstorm, a bunch of ideas for writing this cast. Now, somebody asked me about this because I mentioned this cast a few weeks ago in Dallas and they said, oh, you, you, you cheated um, because when I was brainstorming, I used a dictaphone because I didn't want to be delayed by writing it down. If you're going to brainstorm with one person, then just dictate your answers and then write them down later. It'll go faster. Now, of course, you could, you could brainstorm for five minutes, but our experience and what we tell you in the brainstorming cast is going more than a couple of minutes is a waste of time. Um, more people, you can go longer because the energy will ebb and flow. Uh, I only did one minute. I would recommend two minutes with Derek in this case. If you wanted to go five, that's fine. And with two people, you both could just write down your ideas and then just merge your two lists together. Although if you're writing and not talking, you lose the energy of one another. But again, we cover all that in the, in the brainstorming cast. Um, here's what I dictated to myself in the one minute, let's see, three, six, eight, I got 24 ideas in one minute. I have Tannen book. There's a book by Deborah Tannen that I didn't love, but it's not bad. Um, Notify team, private sessions, weekly reporting, apology required, stopwatch, charm coach, peanut butter, Vanderbilt book, private coach, predetermined rewards, physical cheat, interpersonal skills class, YouTube videos, self-reporting, influence book, cadet hostesses, empty forums, podcasts, charm school, weekly check-ins, blogs, Google, Amazon. 
that's what I have. For those folks who, do, who haven't heard the Coaching Tool podcast before, tell me about peanut butter real quick. Because that doesn't make any sense to me at all. Yeah, it does. If, but if you shove somebody's mouth full of peanut butter, they're not going to interrupt. Oh, I see. Yeah, no, <laughs> oh, got it. Okay. That, that was, Didn't that think was about that. That's not bad at all. I got lucky on that one. So no, a peanut butter is the manager tools rule. And we get notes from people all the time and says, hey, I just did a brainstorming session. They take a picture with their phone of their whiteboard and the word peanut butter's on it. The idea in brainstorming is to freely come up with as many ideas as you possibly can. The way I illustrate this is a conference when I'm teaching the coaching model is I say, okay, we need ideas for how we're going to help Derek get better. I've got two piles of ideas up here at the front of the room. One of the piles has a thousand ideas in it. You don't know whether they're good or bad. They're just random ideas, but they're about coaching somebody on something, on a particular skill. This other pile has 10 ideas in it. I'll sell either one of the piles for 10 bucks. Which one would you buy? The bigger pile. And it, yeah, okay. the bigger pile. It's funny though, dude, there are some people who say the smaller pile because they assume smaller, and by the way, often high C's for those of you who are just people, they assume that the focus is on quality. But folks, everyone who tells you how you measure stuff says you always measure quantity first because quantity leads to quality. It's one of the rules of measuring and particularly initiating new behaviors. So we want lots of ideas. There are so many stories of people who freely associate and come up with wacky things that actually work. But if you're only looking for one quality idea, you eliminate this idea and that idea and that idea. So the point of the peanut butter rule is if somebody says peanut butter, even though you don't know what it means, you write it down because it may in fact have some meaning and we don't want to engage the part of our brain that is judgmental, that is trying to separate, that is trying to rank that is trying to establish quality standards and say this one's higher quality than that we're not doing that we're just going for volume because if in fact the first three things we use with Derek don't work we want three more we don't want to run out within a couple of weeks because we thought the best thing he could possibly do was to go to a class and he goes to the class and it's total crap and now you've got a problem where Okay, what do we do now? Gee, I thought the class would work. Well, what would make you think you would know the answer for how, the only possible answer for how somebody can get better at something? Even if you're coaching somebody on presentation skills, you wouldn't put all of your eggs in the Toastmasters basket, no matter how good Toastmasters is, and it is truly outstanding, you would still say, what other ways? Maybe it would be presenting weekly at your ops meeting. And there's a bunch more as well. So it doesn't matter how great your list is. If you, if you define greatness as one really good idea, it doesn't matter. The longer the list is, the better. And we're going to recommend you pick a couple of them, right, to get started. But if you don't find the magic bullet, as you get into this and learn more about your direct and what works and what doesn't work, and you've opened your reticular activating system in your brain to the idea that I need to help somebody with interruptions, suddenly more ideas are going to come to you and you can add them to the list. Um, and we, of course, we recommend in the Coaching Tools cast that you put the list on the back of the previous week's one-on-one -on -one form. So if I think of a notebook, folks, if you picture a notebook in front of you and the right side of the notebook is the one you're taking notes on of the one-on-one -on -one form, and, and the notebook has previous week's one-on-ones turned over on the left, like a three-ring binder, you would write your coaching notes for Derek for this week on the back of last week's one-on-one -on -one form so that the coaching notes are always separate from the detailed notes that you got into during the first part of the one-on-one. -on -one. And it's much easier to find, much, much easier to find.
Okay, but you'll have written down the list and you can go back at any time and say, ooh, I thought of this and I thought of that and I thought of this other thing. And you'll add them to the list because they may in fact be good resources for Derek. Look, don't worry about picking the wrong thing. I try not to, in part because we gave our, ourselves an extra two month cushion and hell, we didn't know what the goal was. We didn't know how, how accurate we'd be at picking a goal anyway. If you're not any good at something, and by the way, generally the definition of not being good at anything is you've never done it before, then give yourself a little bit of break and don't say, well, I don't want to do that. And this is another case where I see a lot of perfectionist managers get in trouble because they define success as the absence of mistakes, the absence of failure. Yeah, it's got to be perfect, right? And the fear yeah. of not being perfect stops them from doing anything. And the key here is to, is to get started, start taking some actions, yep. see what kind of results you get, right? Yep. And, then, and then modify your course of action based upon yeah. the results, right? And here's something interesting I learned. I was, I was in San Jose recently, and we had a bunch of perfectionists in the room. We had a bunch of programmers, uh, software developer, code writers. And, and uh, one of them said, oh, I'm not, I'm not a perfectionist. And he was off the charts high C. <laughs> he says, I know code is never perfect. What he said was, I'm not a perfectionist. I just don't want to be wrong because if it's wrong, it won't work, right? If, if you live in the world of syntax and compilers and, and errors and, and bugs, right? If it doesn't work, the software will tell you. It doesn't do what you want it to do. The, the window doesn't open or the, the color doesn't change or whatever. Right. And it was interesting, Mike, you used the word perfectionist, right? But he said, oh, I'm not a perfectionist. That's just the world I live in. It doesn't have to be perfect. It has to be right. And what happens is a lot of high C's say, you know, I'm not a perfectionist, Mark. I'm like, oh, okay. The rest of us, <laughs> you say tomato, I say tomato. That's what we would call it, right? Because his definition of perfectionist has to be perfect. <laughs> Right. Well, no, I think what he would say is nothing is perfect. Well, that's but right. He says, but in our minds, in, in, in your and my minds, we would say, you're a perfectionist. He would say, no, I simply don't want to be wrong. And as a manager, folks, here's the point where we're getting with this sort of a backwards way. Your goal cannot be to be wrong. Your, your goal cannot be to not be wrong. Sorry. That can't be the goal. Because if that's the case, you will do nothing. Because if you do nothing, you're not going to be wrong. Now, you won't get great results, but you won't be wrong. You have to be willing to do things and own the first time you do it, when you're put in a new situation, when your company goes into a new market, when there's a new product coming out, when they change the process for how you do budgeting or whatever, you're going to be wrong. You're going to make mistakes. And you have to understand that those mistakes will teach you stuff and that will make you smarter. And it's okay. You don't have to worry about being wrong. You have to worry about not doing something. That's the problem. Because if you stay where you are, when the world is growing to two to three to four percent to five percent and even more per year, you're lagging behind. The moment you stop trying to innovate is the moment you start to lag the rest of the world, which is generally bad in an economic environment. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you on the discussion forums, www.manager-tools.com forward slash forums. See you there. So long, folks. <laughs>